0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Chat Grapple and Cheat Pops with me, JB. You know, certified G, bona fide stud. Can't teach it. Cannot. And this right here is Chris Dredd. He's not... Seven Chris feet. Dredd. He's not, seven feet, not seven
1: feet tall. <laughs> no.
0: But he is the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts, and you can't teach that. Damn skippy, baby. Bada boom, realist guys in the room. You know what I mean? How you doing, Christopher-
1: I'm all right, man. Chris of all Chris's. I like that. That's good. Um, you know, a ring to uh, get rid of them all apart from me. Um, but yeah, no, I'm good, man. You're all right. I'm, you I'm
0: know, really gassed good. about this one. Uh, yes, very good. Uh, this one is, this one sort of came out of nowhere. This, uh, we've had literally no days to prepare. This sort of really hit us quick. So, you know, you'll have to forgive us because we're excited and, it's one of those interview specials that you may not like you may love it
1: it's different it, it's 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 definitely different it is a personality from the wrestling world that isn't a wrestler not even wow. really a manager to be honest um but maybe God, possibly God, was but fuck yeah very very funny um you know we are excited Uh, to have him on you know and like like Jay said man it just it's literally come out of nowhere um you know we chat to people all the time pinging off messages here emails there and we have got some other stuff lined up in the pipeline some really good stuff as well so this is just another great interview to add to the list
0: and before we jump in let us just say like subscribe comment
1: touch the bell
0: flap the bells shout out to all our listeners and watchers around the world i know that you know i was looking at the analytics you know shout out to you know our friends in canada usa uae you know crazy right yeah, man. <laughs> and you know Crown as we are you know hartfordshire's number one wrestling podcast shout out to all our friends in Hertfordshire. boom and around the uk let's not forget them
1: too yeah man yeah baby
0: so big up yourselves everyone <laughs> um so without further ado i guess we uh we get right to it so let's go let's go let's fucking go
1: welcome everyone to another very special episode of chat grapple and cheat pops podcast i am chris dread here with my main man jb and today ladies and gentlemen we have a very special guest we have the amazing uh, john de giacomo if i pronounce it correctly um, the amazing, uh, character of Jameson from the late eighties, early nineties, WWF. Um, he's been very kind to give us some of his time today and, uh, we're just happy to have him on. We're going to be shooting the shit from late eighties, early nineties, WWF to TV stuff, to stand-up comedy, um, from this side of the water to the other side of the water, the state. So John, thanks very much, man. Cheers for joining us.
2: Happy to be here, man. And it's amazing how the Brits always pronounce my name right, and the Americans don't. Uh, But (laughs) go figure. Happy to be here
1: wicked man wicked like um you know before we come on live we're just shooting the shit and already we can tell that it's going to be a great interview being able to bounce off each other and stuff like that i did actually once think about being a stand-up comedian um i actually love making people laugh i love that kind of because i'm a performer anyway I've, i've a musician singer been on stage doing all that kind of stuff and i kind of love that feeling of the crowd giving back to you so it's one of those things i've always wanted to do and um you know, it's funny. We were talking about that before the interview, so um, maybe we'll get onto that a little bit later. But awesome. Um, awesome. H- how are you doing, man? How's how it? Everything over there?
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a crazy year and a half or so um, with COVID. My life has changed so much because I had a um, a decent job um, r- even through the first six months of COVID, but things kind of changed and um, had to reach out to different. Areas of my expert. One of the great things I have going for me is that in my forty years of adulthood, I'm talking about past schooling. My forty. I've had so many different jobs in so many different industries that I've been okay. I've been even though I lost my main gig, um, it's been kind of fun trying to piece things together.
1: Cool. Um, I wanted to show you something very quickly, right? We're a very physical podcast. So as you can see behind, I've got a shitload of figures. Um, I love wrestle crap and any kind of stuff, but I'm also a huge collector of other things. So I'm a DJ, so I collect vinyl as well. So I've got this to show you, and just say, is this true? Was it true you were the merchandise manager for UB40? Yes. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> That's How fucking did crazy. You- how did you uh you heard another podcast I think I've I think yeah, I've only I, mentioned I, that
1: yeah I read one about it on the, yeah I, I read about it on the internet and I was like I've got to ask him about that because I bloody
2: love you before like oh my God you you nuts. and me both brother they're my age um, and um, I kind of stepped into a great situation and literally. Besides the birth of my children, I swear to you, besides the birth of my children, probably the greatest year of my life being on the road with them. Wow.
1: They're still going, John. They're still going. there's a I show know. down the road from me now, like in August, Jordan, down the road from Massey, we've got like Hearts Calling or whatever, some <laughs> fucking thing. And yeah. UB40 are on it. I said to my missus, we were driving. I was like, yeah, we're going to that. <laughs> you know, Aswad, UB40, Soul to Soul. They're all on the same gig. I've seen
0: that. Yeah, I've seen the posters.
1: You've seen the
2: posters. Yeah. Incredible. Love those guys. I would love to reconnect with them. I, I, I should probably somehow try to reach out on Facebook or something because... We were tight. I mean, I was on the road with them for how to be seven months. Um, We did like 46 states out of the 50 in the states. um, This tour. And what was great about it was they were so popular in these small arenas, colleges. Um, It was summer, so we were doing like amphitheaters, outdoor gigs, but they were selling out anywhere from, depending on the size of the um, arena or not even arenas, these were mostly outdoor places. They sold them all out. It was anywhere from like 3500 to 7500 doing these shows. Um, and then I'm going to say like literally months into the tour, um, Red Red Wine, which was number one in the UK when they released it. Um, What happened? Oh, there you are. Um, Never got there in the States, but we were doing this whole United States tour. We were heading through Texas and about to hit Arizona and um, Phoenix or wherever we were playing there. And, This one radio station started playing Red, Red Wine. And the next stop was L.A. after Arizona. But Arizona started it. And then L.A., with them coming in the following week, started to play it. And it got so much momentum, that song, that it went to number one in the States in 1988. And I was on tour with them at the time. So it was like this, especially heading into LA, it was this mega celebration of these guys. And what a great story they are, how they got started and the whole name of the band, the UB40, um, how they got well, the name um, it's, it's just funny. a tremendous, yeah, go on, a go- great time.
1: It's funny because the, the UB 40, the name, the unemployment benefit card, um, right. I actually have, um, one of their albums that has got the unemployment benefit card on it.
0: That is crazy.
1: Yeah. I collect all sites. Yeah, I, mean, I love, I love UB 40, but you know, it's funny when I've read about that, I was like, I've got to show John this, like, you know, this will bring back some memories. Yeah.
2: Probably. Yeah. And it was such a crazy time. And, I became, on this fan, this is a British band touring in the States. They had their tour buses with the band and the crew, the band crew, you know, the closest members of the crew. Um, And there was a big British contingency of crew members. They brought their own gun doesn't make sense to bring 60 people from Great Britain. So there was a lot of the crew was American. One of them being the the merchandise managers, me and my partner. And it was, there was definitely a divide, not nothing, not outwardly or rude or anything, but the first few days on tour, you could see who was in the country, a lot of them for the first time and who the local crew was and all that. But if I tell you it was a matter of days where I hit it off with these guys and they were, uh, they, they, they were loving. The funny thing is I hooked, I became very fast friends with Ali's guitar tech, Ali Campbell's guitar tech and I, he was this wild guy. They called him Papa Dom, Um, great guy, but we got real tight and it was kind of my stepping in with the band and there were many a night. It's so funny that uh, the band wanted to stick somebody from their bus into the big truck we were driving with all the t-shirts and all the memorabilia as merchandise managers. And so that I could ride in the tour bus with them and they were going to stick somebody from the bus into the truck with my partner to get to the next city. And, and, but as soon as red red wine went to number one, there was no, the tour buses were just for crew. The band flew from city to city. And instead of doing these amphitheaters and colleges, we were doing Madison, Madison square garden sold out in like two hours. When red red wine went to number one, the Philly spectrum, the Staples center in LA, it went from immediately from colleges, college gigs to these big indoor arenas. Cause it was leading into the winter and, um, but best year of my life besides my kids.
1: Nice. There's a great connection. Great.
2: Yeah. Um, I love those guys.
1: So, um, it, starting off with wrestling um I take it you're, you're not a huge wrestling fan did you ever watch it when you was a kid or
2: I did I did but like early on I would say like eight or nine and um Mil Mascaris was is my favorite wow. just because he was everything looked real with him and I think that's how I judged wrestling as I got older where I was so competitive and I was so into sports that when I would watch wrestling, the fact that I knew who was going to win before the match started kind of got me out of it, um, and then uh, got back into it because you couldn't help it in the '80s when Vince took over. It was on every. It was on Comedy Central. It was on MTV. It was uh, because. Vince with his rock and roll connections. and It was just, you couldn't escape it. Still wasn't a fan, but I had a good idea who Vince was and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. You couldn't not. So when I got this acting gig that Vince McMahon discovered me in, I knew who he was. I knew who Bobby Heenan was even. Um, And he saw me in the show, said, Yeah, this is the guy I need. And that's how I got in. But I was not ever that, you know, crazy wrestling fan.
1: And and you so you were brought in when, when Vince brought you in, was it literally he said something, you know, about the Bobby Heenan show? Was you were you specifically brought in for, for, for Bobby? Yes
2: for that. And it, what it was was this show Vince saw me in was It was 50% scripted comedy and 50% improvisation. And in each dining room, there were six dining rooms in this establishment. You got to improvise with the diner, with the audience. And I killed it in Vince's room. I knew I did. And I knew who he was. And I went up and introduced myself after the show, um, just fantasizing like, Wow, wouldn't it be great to go work as a new act? As a now, I wouldn't say a young actor. I didn't get into it till I was thirty years old, thirty-one. Um, but as a new actor, I kind of let the knowing I killed in his room. I let the fantasy run a little wild that Saturday night. Let me go introduce myself to Vince, and he was very nice, very complimentary, but not obviously not looking a have an extended conversation about mm-hmm. it. So I went away and probably woke up thinking about it Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, kind of forgot about it. But sure enough, they called WWF called the theater slash restaurant that it was held in to see how could we get in touch with the actor that played Jameson. And they were able to get me there into Stamford. um, And Vince told me when I got there, stay in character, just be Jameson. We're going to bring Bobby in. We just want to see how you guys get on. And it was great. I mean, it was from the get go. There was um, some chemistry there and it, I actually think Bobby didn't know what he was in for if I was like for real or not that character. Um, But as things started to loosen up and he, became Bobby that we all know and love um it was magic and they they offered me a contract that day and that's pretty much how that all started um
0: before we before we hit record we were talking about British comedies and stuff like that and today earlier today before you know we came we got this far like I was watching the Bobby Heenan show I thought I'd you know have a quick look and go back and you know I was you know it was two hours for me of just pure laughter it was but something that came into my head is it, it gave me really like similar vibes to a comedy like The Office in the UK where it was you know quick you know, little pauses little bits of awkwardness which turn into hilarious laughter like I mean obviously that was the plan it was to you know but you and Bobby just had this really great connection on screen from the minute you walked out.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I love the office. I love Ricky Gervais. Um, you know, a, a strong preference to British humor than to American humor. Nobody hate me for saying that please, but um, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, some of the best moments were that I think, from um, me anyway uh, we had some moments on that show where I was able to break Bobby out of character like yeah. say something that made him laugh that they had to cut and we had to retake something And and look he's funnier than I am I never broke and that's just because I was so locked in that as funny as I know that if Bobby did something funny that my reaction to that would make that him even funnier. And that's what I live by. And I think it came out and Bobby was always off camera, really complimentary um, about what I brought to the relationship and even after we weren't working together anymore. Um, but we were still both under contract and he was just announcing what I was doing. He said that you you still physically are feeding me stuff that I can use, like reaching into my pocket and pulling out a sandwich or a hot dog or something. in my suit, you know, like there were props that I brought that Bobby, you know, was always very complimentary about how easy it was to be funny with me and that meant everything to me because you know I, I i knew i got i got it very early on that bobby was that that one guy that one guy at the wwf that if he decided to go to hollywood when he was 18 and not get involved in wrestling he would have been a Hollywood star. He was that talented. You can't say that about. Um, I don't think any other um, professional wrestling personalities. I mean, yeah, John Cena's done movies. The Rock has done, but because they they're these like chiseled uh, American hero type action figures Bobby could have made it as you know a funny guy um a serious actor he was that talented these guys can't you know yeah I'm not taking anything away from them god bless them they they're they're talented guys in their own right but not you know they're not Tom Hanks they're not uh actors per se they could play great action characters on film, but Bobby could have been that guy that was doing, you know, like um, uh, meet the Fockers or, you know, uh, you know, meet the parents or movies like that. Like yeah. Charles Groden type movies or, um, you know, you, you guys get what I'm saying that. Yeah, like, you, you
1: know, what, like,
2: like, like, like Like movies that required actors, not action. Bobby was that one guy that I ever met in professional wrestling that could have been a very successful movie star, a movie star.
1: You know, um, my my favorite movie of all time, and um, when anybody asks me, it's a really tough question. When people say, "Oh, what's your favorite movie?" But for yeah. me, it's a really easy question because it's The Big Lebowski, and it will
2: always be The yeah. Big Lebowski,
1: <laughs> right there for me too. Right there,
2: not um, my favorite, but definitely probably top five.
1: I I um, can imagine I can imagine Bobby Heenan playing um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, the the butler for The Big Lebowski.
2: You know. Uh, Brent. You could pick almost Amazing. any fr- Yeah. Um, you know, like um anything through the 80s, any of those movies. Um, the Rodney Dangerfield movies, the oh my god, look at um, all right, he has a great one. I think he would have killed Caddyshack. Do you remember Caddyshack? Yeah, the Ted Knight played yeah. that picture <laughs> Bobby being that guy. Um, Bobby would have been that level of of talent and star like a Ted Knight yeah. um yeah he
1: he was just really good with i mean cuz bobby apart from like acting and comedy as a wrestler himself he knew the psychology of the business and how to get reactions from people so that's why he was just he was just yeah. so good because he knew how <laughs> to play people
2: and I, i've never seen him do it but i'm sure if you handed him a script and that script was a scene, a very sad, dramatic, tearjerkery scene, he would have nailed it because drama is so much easier than comedy. And he was he was that talent. But I I, I look at him and say, you put him in a in a, a movie where somebody's dying, and this guy'll make you cry. As easy as it is for him to make you laugh, this guy can make you cry.
1: Well, he, he was that talented. He actually nearly did that to me when he left the WWF, when him and uh, Gorilla Monsoon, there's a, a scene at the end, like... And even though he tried to kind of make it funny as well, but he was also playing it really sad, basically. Um, he was getting chucked out the building and he, they were throwing his bag after him and chucking him out on that. And, you know, they're like, what is this in your bag? And he's like, nicked all the cutlery from the from the catering and all the cutlery's coming out. And he's like, no, 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 I need that for later. Like, and he's kind of grabbing it up. But then just the way he plays it in the end, Jordan, you remember that bit where yeah. he's standing outside the doors and like, you know, he's kind of, Oh, you know, yeah. he, he's just amazing. He yeah. he always said like when it comes to wrestling, like if you you've got to believe it's real to make people believe it's real, you've got to believe it yourself. So you know whether he was being grabbed by Andre the Giant, he he actually played it as if Andre was going to eat him, you know. And whether he he always played it like everything was real, and that was yeah. why Bobby was and, just great,
2: right? And I and I think. That's another thing that he respected in me was that I got roughed up pretty good in my time there, in it's my fun, years, whether yes. it was, yeah. whether it was prime time or, um, or when they put me on the road with the Bushwhackers and the Royal Rumble. And, and my thing was always whatever talent I was working with to say, "Fucking hit me, throw me, you know, sm- I, 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 I didn't want to do it if it didn't look real. And a lot of the wrestlers really respected that. And I was in really good shape in those days. I mean, I was, you know, I was a, a regular gym goer. I had some fight training and gymnastics and I knew how to fall. I wasn't worried about getting hurt. And I think the, those those popular wrestlers at the time that I did get a chance to work with physically were really um, a lot of respect that I wasn't one of those non-wrestling personalities that didn't want to, I wanted it to look real or I, I, or I didn't want to do it. And one of the my favorite people to ever work with because she bought right into it was sensational Sherry. We actually had two moments where she beats the shit out of me and it, and it looked, like she was beating the shit out of me because she was and it was like two of my favorite moments ever um doing stuff
1: sherry was one of the greats for sure i mean we waxed lyrical about bobby heenan about sherry on this show you know she was one she was legit like um you know and so w- w- would you say you're pretty close with uh, a few people backstage and, you know, spend a bit of time with them and that, who, who would that have been?
2: Yeah, I, um, she was probably when, 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 toward the end, when I was um, only touring, which I didn't want to do, I never signed up for, but, but because of uh, primetime changing into Raw, everything was shot in the arenas on the road. There was no more studio stuff. Um, but and I only did uh, I feel like three tours and the Royal Rumble, um, as far as road work went. But being on the road, and you're on the road with just about everybody who's anybody in terms of the talent, um, she was, uh, easily my best friend on the road in terms of, um, Sneaking off and smoking a joint or um because there was no, you know, it was those were not smoke pot smoking days. Those were, you know, Ew. cocaine, drinking, yeah. steroids, you know, and I was so not there yeah. that I didn't even want to go out after the gigs. And everybody, that's what everybody did. They they when the show was over, everybody left together and went to strip club and got trashed and and I would hide or I would try to sneak back to the hotel to not have to go hang out. Um because I wasn't doing those things. Um so I it was kind of like sort of a low it was sort of a lonely life on the road in terms of um and not that I wasn't shown love by the other talent. I was um you know, uh, there, were, there were a good number of talent that really uh, respected my sense of humor and that I looked nothing like that character because I was in shape and in street clothes. You know, I could go do my gig, my, my, my bit at a live show, go take a shower, come out, and watch the rest of the show as John, and nobody recognized me. And all I did was grease my hair and wear glasses. But I, I didn't need glasses. I, I came out with no glasses in my regular hair and in, in, um, in clothes that you could see, this is not Jane, you know, this is a, a guy that's in, you know, looks really athletic. Um, and there were guys like, like Mr. Perfect. I never worked with him, but he would always say to me, I can't believe, like the, backstage, he would say to me, I can't believe you're that same guy on stage. You, it, It's not. you know, it was like such a transformation um, and there were a few guys like that that were, I mean Sergeant Slaughter was like, when he first met me, not as Jameson, but in street clothes, he was, uh, and and a lot of the guys like that. And I know Bobby and Vince and Sean Mooney, the guys I was working with all the time were like, you know, how, how do you do like how do you go from this to this? And and that made me really enjoy my time there. But I really never grasped how popular my character was on a national stage. On a and I'm this guy at that time who was looking at it as just another. Acting gig, and um, when they started sending me on the road, um, I couldn't do any other acting gigs. I couldn't audition because I was booked to do the Texas tour, and then I get home. And I'm home for two weeks, and I got to go to Florida, and so, so I was not resentful because they paid me pretty well, but just like I can't, I can't. I got to find a way because the first two years were great between the Bobby Heenan show and prime time. It was great. Everything was done in the studio, a half hour from my house, 40 minutes from my house. Um, And I could do other acting work commercials, did a couple of TV shows. um, And I kind of soured when it became my only gig because the only way I could honor my contract was to go out on the road. Um so, so I shot this tape. Uh, are you familiar at all with this tape? The last episode that I found in
0: the Jameson training tape.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen? It? <laughs> I just released I think the third part, three out of four, um, yeah. on Facebook. Um, the fourth one is the best. It's hilarious. But it's it was basically didn't shoot it for entertainment purposes. Shot it with a friend who's not experienced. We didn't know lighting, sound, but it it was just a demonstration to give Vince an idea for a storyline that I could honor the last few months of my contract shooting right here locally, New York, Stanford, Connecticut, wherever, where I didn't have to go on the road. And there was still a storyline to be had. And basically the storyline, this was right after the Royal Rumble. Uh, where the genius Lanny Poffo roughs me up pretty good, and it's Jameson joining a gym to get in shape to kick the genius's ass for embarrassing <laughs> me. And it's the funny—I look at it now, and it's—it's it's so crude. I mean, it's so unprofessionally shot, which almost makes it funnier because it's Jameson. It does. It does bring the Jameson quality to it. Yes. And it's, it, I personally think it's funnier than anything I ever did with the WWF. I, I really feel that way. And the fourth part of the sequence, um, they're all good. They're all funny. I mean, it's basically the whole thing seen in one sitting is about 13 minutes plus long, like a three stooges short. Um, and all seen together, it's a great Film, But I and I have others written that I still, even though I'm an old man right now, I know I could shoot these and make them funny. It's Jameson uh, basically getting uh, jobs, um, going to work. Um, one happens in a kitchen. One happens with a landscaping crew. It's hilarious. So I want to release all these. But I um, the, the point I'm making was, I don't know that Vince ever saw that tape. The thing, we shot it in 92. It, it's 29 years old. Hilarious. I, I encourage everyone to uh, friend me on Facebook or um, I think I have the first two parts already on Instagram. We're going to put the other one on there, but find me on Instagram. Hilarious. Really good, funny stuff.
0: Yeah, you- We'll definitely share it on uh, our chat, Rapper and Cheatbox Facebook page. You know the the links to all that will be on this video. You'll be able to see where to find those videos. I personally think that we need to see Jameson work in the kitchen.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's good too. I think we, <laughs> need, to too.
0: I think we need to see Jameson trying yeah. out all these other jobs. I think they they definitely need to be out you there. Know-
2: you know what would
1: be good? I mean, yeah. we we had um, Anthony Corelli, a.k.a. Santino Morella, on our show, and we interviewed Santino. Um, what they did with Santino... Because Santino Morella is a similar character, kind of, you know to Jameson in a way where you can put him in different situations and just the character himself can just play off different situations. Don't you think Jordan, would it be, you know, they had Santino going around interviewing all the other wrestlers in that backstage. I think, you know, if we had Jameson backstage at WWE events, just interviewing people as Jameson and just like, hi, you know, just going up and just, I think it would just be
2: incredible. Yeah. I probably could, you know, um eventually get it there but you know for me i'm i'm such a i'm such a creature of authenticity and right away my mind says to me jameson couldn't do that because he wouldn't know what the hell to say to make it interesting but I, i'm sure i could get him you know to that point where he, he's asking stupid question what's your favorite color yeah um,
1: and you, you know, you know or, yeah, yeah exactly exactly it oh, yeah. wouldn't even be anything to do with wrestling it would literally just be like you know so so what's your favorite pet you know like you know right. do you like
2: my shoes or you show know? him a bad show him yeah. a bad card trick or yeah or even do Amazing. something like you know where i point at his chat just to be funny because i know that i got the microphone and the camera's on me like touch them over here and do you know one of those or you know, you, know you, yeah. you point at somebody's chest and they look down and you flick their nose, something like that. And and somebody take a shot at me, um, <laughs> which would make it funny. My son, yeah, my, my son, who's a very decorated, successful child actor um, and actually had a gig with the WWE a few years ago, pretty big one. Um, he was Little Johnny. On uh, Extreme Rules with <laughs> Bray Wyatt and yeah. the and the uh, and John Cena, he was the no. kid, in <laughs> that's my son. And everybody thought right away when they found out that's Jameson's son. Thought I got him that gig. I didn't. I had not been in touch with WWF WWE in over twenty years. He booked that through his agent, and it's such a great story. Because that night, he was a huge part of the main event, my son. And when he met Vince, Vince went over what he'd be doing. I had not seen Vince, I'm telling you. That was 2014. I hadn't seen Vince in over 20 years to that point. And Vince, explaining to my son what he'd be doing, got down on one knee to look at him eye to eye, you know, explaining him. And when he got done talking to him, he looked up at me. He said, you must be the father. And I said, yeah, Vince, you don't recognize me, do you? And he goes, you look really familiar. So I made the Jameson face. I just went. And he knew right away. He gave me such a hug and a warm welcome. And um, it was just a really nice moment. Um, Great story that my son got to do this. Really huge. He was the reason that Bray Wyatt won in this main event against John Cena at a pay-per-view event. It was really cool. That is
0: that is absolutely incredible. Like something that I was, you know, you know my mind wanders like when I'm watching wrestling and watching stuff like you know from time to time. Now you mentioned we mentioned the three stooges earlier as well like now vince in 98 99 had two stooges and i always i thought to myself what if there was what if jameson was there just absolutely screwing up everything those two stooges were trying to get accomplished like patterson and briscoe were always like you know sort of screwing up anyway but what if they had someone like jameson to make it worse for him
2: yeah i you know it's funny i mean um When I left, um, which was 92, I still went back and did a couple of promos and stuff. Vince was great Um, when my contract was getting ready to expire. um, He got that I couldn't do any more tours and uh, very generous with me. But um, when I left, I kind of and. What right after I left, all the shit went down with WCW and the the whole scandal and everybody moving. And, um, and I never really watched wrestling anymore. So you, you referring to the two stooges, like I trying to picture it, but it's just not, but I would always go back there. I would all, if they asked me to, um, you know, I think Jameson is a great documentary on their channel. Um, just, you know, with, with, um, My years at WWF and then um, my years as a a stage actor in New York City and a writer, I wrote a play that went off Broadway in 98, but there was always a, and and then my son really making it big. I mean, he was a Disney kid. He was on the number one rated Disney show for three years. Um, You guys know who Kevin James is. Um, Love Kevin James, King of Queens. King of Queens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when when he did his last show um, on a major network in the states, Kevin couldn't wait. My son played his son on that show, and wow. he did um, a movie that was huge in the UK. It's called Brooklyn with Saoirse Ronan. Um, he had such a breakout role. It, it was up for an Academy Award that movie wow. and and Saoirse was up for um, best actress that year and my son had a role in that that was just killer he just got the biggest re- reviews so he's gone on to have this great career and it's really why I never got back to acting was because he was so much um, his resume was very very quickly so much bigger than mine and it just made more sense for me to run his career than for me to make a second go at it. Um, so that's kind of how that wound it up.
1: That's crazy. So you um, you you have children. You you say you have two children.
2: Yeah, my daughter is a superstar too. She um, she's got a big job with um, um, Meals on Wheels. Um, She's uh, she's 22 and um, she's a superstar, very shy, a knockout, could have been a model. Um, doesn't have the same personality her brother has. So I never put that on her, but just really, you know, straight A student, graduated college a year early, um, two great kids, which is, you know, I've made so many mistakes in my life, but, um the one thing i could say uh, my greatest accomplishment are the two kids that i have for sure easily
1: it's great yes
2: i feel the same you, way about my two kids
1: yes yeah, that's the i mean yeah. uh, they they're always better than us aren't they our kids that's yeah. what we always
2: aim for for them to right. be
1: better than us you know so
2: right. great and i ask myself every day how did that happen because
0: <laughs> um <laughs>
2: They're, you know, unfortunately my son is a lot like me, um, very spontaneous and a little bit reckless, um, a little bit immature. My daughter, total opposite. Um, And and neither one of them are like their mother either. It's just like, we look at each other and say, how did we do this? These, (laughs) These kids are fucking awesome.
0: Did WCW ever call to maybe rekindle yes. it with
2: Bobby? Um, just uh, my interest. I would have had to relocate from New York to Atlanta because um, I wasn't willing to travel. Um, I wanted to be somewhere where I could do studio stuff. But at that time, there was not much happening in Atlanta acting wise. So it wasn't like, didn't make sense. Like if they were out in L.A., and they said, you want to come out to LA, I would have considered it because there was a lot of other acting work out there. Um, the great thing for me with uh, WWF was they were, even though it was Stanford, Connecticut, is literally a half hour outside of New York City, 40 minutes outside of New York City. So it, it, it really made sense for me to work there because um, I could do... All the other stuff I wanted to do.
1: So um, at that time, when you were on it, prime time, it was actually Sean Mooney and Tony Shavoni um, that was on it, right? Do you, did you deal with Tony? You know, Schiavone
2: it, no. You know, if you, if you go back and look at at least while I was there, which was I'm going to say the last part of '89, right up till '91, um, it was like rotating hosts Sean Mooney was there some weeks Bobby was almost always there I think he was always there but it would be either Sean Mooney mean Gene um or Vince as the co-host um so uh I don't remember Shivoni there
1: yeah, because as as, as we were watching it, we had Gorilla Monsoon, we had... Uh, yes, Gorilla, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, Not as a
2: co-host? Uh, it
1: was kind of, yeah, it was Gorilla and Piper because basically the story was that Bobby Heenan got kind of chucked off from working with Gorilla and they put Piper in. And then Heenan obviously had the Heenan show. Um you know, on on the broadcast, do it like yeah, you know, alongside. But yeah, we uh, it was.
2: Uh, I think from the time the Bobby Heenan show ended, and then I was not. I think they it took them a couple months to figure out what to do with me because they hired me to do the Bobby Heenan show, and they only did four episodes. Yeah. Before they got shut down by the network, didn't like it, and. The whole family at WWF loved it, the, 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 the talent, the executives, the fans, but the network was like, "Nah, we don't like this." So it, then there were, a couple more months went by. but I'm going to say by fall of '89, from that point on, I was a regular, and I can't remember I can remember Sean, Bobby. Vince, Mean Gene, and very rarely, but a couple of times, Gorilla. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't remember Tony doing it. I don't remember um, Roddy. I I remember Roddy being on Primetime as a guest, but not as a host.
1: Okay. So, I mean, when you say the network didn't like it, I mean, the the Bobby Heenan show was at times pretty close to the mark as well, you know, because you had the oinkets on there.
2: Yeah. um, You know. But but what it was, was it was in the two hour, it was the last 30 minutes of the two hour primetime show. And, um, and I think part of the surprise of them coming in and saying, and, and shutting it down the network was that, I thought everybody was kind of looking at it as a part of primetime and not as a separate entity. And USA came in and shut it down as if it was a a private entity. And we just extended primetime another half hour. We didn't put a different show into some. We just went back to the full two hours. And and I had some great moments as an audience member at primetime. I mean, that was... Really, my I, I enjoyed that almost as much as the Bobby Heenan show because they gave me something really funny to do each episode, and I got to work with, you know, uh, Ted and Sherry, um, um, and 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 Ted was great, Million Dollar Man. He was great. Um, I got to work with Bret Hart and the Berserker. Great two episodes with the Berserker, the Warlord, um, and always uh, got roughed up. Skinner, at one point, um, always got roughed up by the bad guys and rescued by the good. I've gotten rescued by Andre the Giant. Like, you know, who's better than that? Like, you, you know, it was it was a great time. It was, It was heartbreaking. It was such a dramatic change for me when they they stopped primetime and went to raw and i now had to jump on an airplane um to you know to to go make my money it's um crazy and i was it's not it's become yeah it was not i was not up for that but um you know vince could have been very much like yeah we don't need you or, but vince really wanted me involved and um he put me with the bushwhackers thinking that, you know, well, there's three stooges (laughs) right there. Um, um, and I always felt bad for them because I was so not a rest. Vince was getting so much flack from his close circle of advisors that were all old school, like Pat Patterson. And, um, that just didn't think Jameson was right for, the, the ring, you know, the wrestling ring. And, and I kind of felt like, you know, maybe Butch and Luke felt like, Oh my God, you see what did this? They're sticking us with Jameson. But other wrestlers said to me, nah, they're happy because they need something to put them over again. They're kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. this'll, this'll put them in, you'll bring them back to the forefront of, of TV and interest and, So, uh, but what great guys they are. Holy shit. They never made me feel like, uh, you know, we got to, you know, we got to include, they let me do my thing and they were always very, it, it always seemed to work. And I know that has a lot to do with just what kind of great guys they are beyond, because not everybody was a great guy. Most of them were. Had very few, felt very, felt the animosity for a very few of the main players at that time.
1: Oh, you! I'm sorry to do this to you, John, but <laughs> you're going to have to diss the jerk on who was the fucking jack off. The fucking
2: nasty, the nasty <laughs> boys were douchebags.
1: Okay. Um,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. Typhoon was really fucking disrespectful and tugboat was just the opposite. Great guy. Um,
0: do you mean do you mean earthquake and typhoon?
2: Oh, what did I say?
0: Is it a Typhoon and tugboat. There's, there's oh things. no
2: no no! I meant earthquake. Yeah. No no, tugboat typhoon. Gentlemen, sweet God. I'll give you another one. A great heel, a great heel, but one of the nicest guys you ever meet, Mike Rotundo.
1: Oh IRS. Nice.
2: Yeah. Sweet God. a really good um Rick Flair fucking gentleman a fuck, brilliant guy a really nice guy um yeah i mean a lot of the guys were very just really good guys and really didn't have to be you know i mean yeah. who was i like who was nobody had to welcome me in or nobody had to you know go out of their way but a lot of guys did. A lot of guys came up to me and I knew who they were before they knew who I was and just said, yeah, I saw last week's episode. You're great, man. You know, keep it up. And always got Hacksaw, another great guy. Um, hey, he Billy was believe him.
1: It's funny because it, as soon as you said Hacksaw, I've got an image of you bent over and uh, Hacksaw yeah, behind bunny- you trying to pump because <laughs> <laughs> you're choking on some food.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was really happy to work with me because I think they knew that this is a funny guy. He's getting some attention. And let me go be funny with this guy. Like, let me let me get a little let me get a spot on primetime doing something funny with Jameson. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes. it's it's a
1: different angle, isn't it? That's the thing. It's just another angle to do something different to get a reaction. It's quite- and there's
2: none of that anymore, from what I'm being told. There's none of those kind of interludes or, um, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't really comment on what's going on there today. I don't I don't watch it enough, um, but I just hear so much from the old, like the the. The guys like in their late 30s to late 50s that kind of grew up or were big wrestling fans. When I was on board, like I hear so much from them that yeah, it's not the same anymore. That was the golden era. That was the time. I don't watch enough now to really judge, but told you know a lot of what I'm hearing is that it's. Um, you didn't have to be back in those days, the early 90s. You didn't have to be. A, and late '80s, you didn't have to be a wrestling fan to be entertained. Now, you got to be a wrestling fan. It's you know, it's not there's none of that really funny, creative kind of storyline going on, or I don't know, I don't watch it, so I don't, yeah, just what I'm I'm hearing.
1: It's funny uh, you mentioned uh, Mike Rotunda. Did you, and you mentioned Bray Wyatt? Did you know that Mike Rotunda is actually Bray's son? Uh, Bray I found.
2: Yeah. I found out that night at the um at the pay-per-view. It was it was gr- we we all, I only did it because they offered him the role. Um he booked it through his agency, James, my son. And when they said you got it, you got to be there. It's at the Meadowlands in New Jersey, which uh, is another son. yeah, half-hour ride for me. It was close but We had to be in L.A. We had to be on a flight that Monday morning at 8 a.m. And he was only like nine years old. And I know how these things go. We're going to get home after midnight. I got to get him on a plane. I didn't want to do it. But I said, I got to do this. I was there 20 something years ago. He's going to get to do something with it. So we did it. And not knowing what we were doing, I thought maybe he was going to be some punk kid in a promo or something. The fact that he was the kid that stopped Ray Wyatt from exiting the ring in that steel cage match. He was the star of the night. It um, was just so cool. And he had done this commercial like the year before for American football, the NFL, that went viral. When it came out, it was hilarious. It went viral on YouTube, 2 million hits the first weekend. And the commercial was still running when we went to go do the pay-per-view that night. And when it started getting around the, the 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 green room, the backstage where everybody's hanging out, all the wrestlers, it's the word starts getting out. That's the kid from the Cam Newton commercial. Wrestlers were coming up to him to take pictures instead of him being this yeah. nine-year-old kid going around getting They were coming up, the Bella Twins, evidently huge American football fans, took so many pictures with him, and um, Goldberg, not Goldberg, Ryback. I, in fact, I have the mask. I don't know if you saw that, you even know the event I'm talking about, but he kind of won the match for the Wyatt family. And they had a ceremony after the match, anointing my son into the Wyatt family. And he had to wear a sheep mask.
1: Yeah, you
2: know, though this is this is the actual sheep mask. That's not. That's. And it's and it's (laughs) autographed by five wrestlers. Um, It's uh, Ryback, Bray Wyatt. uh, Who's this guy? I'll think of it in a second. Uh uh what the hell is his name? KK Kofi Kingston. Uh, Kofi Kingston.
1: Kofi Kingston. Has one of them been Brody Lee, Jordan, Drecken.
2: Yeah,
0: possibly Luke No. No. Who?
2: Luke Luke Harper. No, it was uh begins with a C. Corey, Casey, uh Cody.
0: Cody Rhodes.
2: Could have been Cody. Yes, Cody Was he Rhodes. Cody, yeah. Yeah. Cody Rhodes, Bray Wyatt. And who's this guy here? Seamus. Oh, wow. Yeah, British guy. Yeah, yeah. Irish or British? Uh, uh, well, British, Irish, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the five signatures there. That's and crazy. this is for sale if anybody's interested. Um, two million. No, <laughs> just kidding. Two million um, pesetas, yeah? Yeah, right, 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 right. right.
1: <laughs> I could do two million pesetas. I've done about two million bucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. No, it actually is for sale. I don't know what they're asking for it, but...
1: Oh, we'll talk about um, this after the show. We'll talk- <laughs> Maybe me and Julian okay. can go arse on it. All
2: right, all right. So, um, yeah, so that's all uh, good. My son's a big um, part of what I've been doing the last 10 years. And uh, he does stand-up. He's been doing stand up in comedy clubs like in New York City and Long Island since he's nine. He's 16 now. So That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Really talented kid. Really talented. Don't know how it happened.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think one of the and this is just from my side, one of the biggest compliments, I think, I'll ever hear from my wife is that. She she can't stand wrestling, she you know it's not her thing. But I I put on the Bobby Heenan show one time randomly, a few years back, and she she was laughing. She thought it she thought it was a real she, she did she thought it was like an actual talk show I was watching. She goes, what is what is going on here? What is, what has happened? Like this talk show is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then I said, no, it's Bobby Heenan like and Jameson, and just and she was laughing along with it and like. She still said yeah. to me before before she left me to go upstairs so I could do this. She like, she she said, like, still the funniest thing she's ever seen in wrestling.
2: Yeah, it was great. I, you know, I wish at the time I was doing all of that, I had the appreciation I have now of those years. Um again, I was really new to acting and really looked at it as an acting job and um, didn't grasp how much of like a cult following Jameson had in those years. And it was like, you know, once I was gone, I was gone. And, and, you know, I'm finding out literally eight or nine years later by friends of mine are saying to me, you know, you got to go on the internet. There's people looking for you. Everybody wants to know who is the actor that played Jameson. And I was like, yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, kid, nobody wants it. And um, quite by accident, I had a job booking comedy shows and music acts for a really great nightclub space in New York City. Um, at the time, and the, these comedians came in. They wanted a book a night or a weekend or something, um, and we're talking. And somehow it got around to. I said, "Yeah, I did Jameson." And these guys were actual wrestling fans, knew who Jameson was, and they said, "Please, can we put on our poster on our on our?" I don't, I don't even know if Facebook was around. It was around, but. Um, on our website on our poster can we put your picture and say special guest appearance by Jameson and I was like yeah you know me I got paid based on how much we sold um, I'm like yeah go ahead put it on you'll get up and do a couple minutes I'm like yeah whatever you want yeah I'll do it and Joe Bruin who is this really great Promoter in the states, out of uh, Rhode Island, um, somehow saw my picture and uh, called the nightclub. Said, "How can I speak to this guy?" And got me on the phone. He's like, "Are you really Jameson? You know, nobody knows who you are. Nobody. I want to induct you into the New England Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame." I'm like, "Get the fuck out of (laughs) here! You know, I'm not." And he. Paid me big money to come up and do the whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, different events. Paid me really great money. And I was shocked, shocked to see how many people were there for my autograph. That it was my first public appearance since I was on, you know, Raw or since the Royal Rumble, I think. Mm. Um, and And it's in that way, pretty much the last 10 years. I mean, I don't do a lot of the signings. Um, just got used to saying no, because my son was, we were constantly going back and forth from New York to LA. And, um, his career was so happening that I couldn't really make a commitment to anybody and probably only did like, I'm going to say maybe five shows in 10 years. Uh, but now that he's older and, um, You know, uh, COVID has changed so much about that business. And he's right now in that transition period between a kid and an adult. um, That there's not a lot of work, although he has work. In fact, he's got a film coming out soon. Um, But I have more time on my hands. And so I'm starting to do more signings and realizing that all these photos that I have that uh, people want they want autograph photos, and uh, I got some great, you know, some great memorabilia. Um, like I found this picture, uh, it's Bundy, it's Bundy, Ted. Yeah. Ted, and me. And and Ted and Bundy signed it for me a couple of years ago at a one of these conventions I did. This was the cover of WWE magazine. I think uh, I wanna say January 95, this was the cover photo. Um, we, we spoke, and we, so we spoke like,
0: about this just before we came on. Um, yeah. yeah how, how you ended up so in the magazine.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've um, I've gone to these, some of these shows where, people bring that magazine to me and I sign the cover and I'm so happy. I got Bundy before he passed on that. Um, I also have, I went to do this show in Queens and one of the reasons they probably paid me extra to go do it because, um, Bobby had not been getting out to doing any of these signings, but I had not seen Bobby in over 20 years and, probably 25 years and they were going to get him to this show and they wanted to do some photos with us together and all that. And, um, and my, my son was red hot at the time with, with both, um, the movie Brooklyn, the Disney show and the, the football commercial. He was where promoters were saying, yeah, we'll give you a couple extra hundred, you know, and, and my son would sign as many autographs as I did. It was pretty fucked up actually. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I, so on our way there, I bought this belt, this shit foam belt, um, but I got it signed by, cause it was the same time as this, uh, this photo. So I got the belt signed by Ted, King Kong Bundy, Bobby Heenan, who wrote the nicest, the fucking guy couldn't even talk, but he was able to, uh, you know, write. Um, what did he write? Jameson, you asshole! No, he wrote. Uh, <laughs> you moron! That's all I yeah, can right. hear. Everybody. No, he wrote. <laughs> Jameson, my pal, Heart, Bobby Heenan, which is great. Ted yeah. signed it. Love. Him. Um, uh, and um, Bundy signed it, and. And uh, Danny Davis, he, he was just standing there. I didn't want to make him feel bad. So I, <laughs> I let him. Stand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, he signed it too. But and and my son wants to sign, sign, sell that. He's got such a great attitude. He's like, Dad. People that would pay that kind of money for this stuff, obviously want it more than I do let's make money and and make somebody happy and and i agree with them you know you know brother it's his stuff you want to sell it you sell it
1: yeah um, I, I, I don't know what kind of people would buy wrestling memorabilia i have no yeah, idea right, right, yeah right 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 don't
2: right i don't know what the appeal is Listen, really. it's it's shocking <laughs> i have this photo all right when when i did this was back in 91 this was still during the days of of primetime this is before raw i have these photos originals original publicity photos of jameson it still has like the the uh the copyright titan sports and uh you see that the, the, yeah
0: Sports right
2: these and it's got the shiny like the shellfish uh shiny finish original This thing is 30 years old this year. um, I got like 10 of them left. I got like 10 of them left. And people are paying $125 for them. I'm like, get the fuck out. Thank God I'm not selling this shit on my own. Because, you know, what am I going to do? But I got a couple of guys that are really interested in all my shit. I have original scripts from Disney and Kevin Can Wait. That my son is signed, that people are spending money on, and it's it's great. I shouldn't I shouldn't even go to work tomorrow.
1: <laughs> my missus is gonna hate this, but fuck it. Well, we'll talk later, John, about some of your bits. It's all right. <laughs> <live paper. laughs>
0: Get some of that express ship into the UK. I think we'll all be fine.
2: Yeah, man. That'd yeah. Be be yeah. Good. I mean, like copies of this, that photo that I'm telling you about. That they're paying $125. It's a copy, fucking thing isn't even a dollar to run off a copy of it. And people are buying them for $25 each. Mm. It's like obscene to me that, but but like I'm not doing the work and I got a couple guys doing it for me, so I do what they tell me, and I'm like, all right, you know, uh, I'll take it.
1: It, it's it's guys like like you said of a certain age group who have the nostalgia and the memories of that time. Um yeah. you know, where we're all just big kids really, you know, and we're just yeah. kind of looking back at a time where things were simpler, you know, we could just sit down and watch, you know, fucking Bobby Heenan and Jameson right. and the Oinkets and you know, right. we just see you know, I think-
2: collect teletubbies. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I mean, I know Jordan feels that. Like it's been great having you on, John. It's been incredible, uh, you know. Because... Guys,
2: I love you guys. You, you know, uh, pros. And anytime. Call me up. Amazing.
0: John, if I'm awake,
2: uh, make, I'll try to make you laugh.
0: Can we get the Jameson voice one time?
2: Now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, it's, I mean, Did you know
2: Jameson was a chain smoker? We didn't. No, yeah. I mean we can see from this interview. <laughs> no, I'm actually not. I don't smoke, but I figured it might just be a good interview, which is it. another, <laughs> another layer
0: to the character. That's, <laughs> right. That's right.
2: That's right. Right. Um, I went from liverwurst and cream cheese sandwiches to cigarettes <laughs> as the years Um
0: I mean, I can't. I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and. Being so friendly and giving us your time, it's been it's been such a great, great fun chat. This for me been-
2: too. Don't and I'm not just blowing smoke. Well, I am blowing smoke, but <laughs> um, really, it's been great for me too. I really enjoyed it, man. Awesome.
1: Have,
0: have, has, there, has there any been has anyone ever contacted you about coming to the UK and doing any work at, at all?
2: You know, I swear to you, I almost was there in March doing a commercial. It came down to two guys doing a bagel, a bagel commercial shooting in London. And, um, and I was praying I'd get it just because I wanted to, you know, I've never, I've been out of the country, but never to Europe. And everybody says, don't you want to go see Italy? And I'm like, no, I want to go to London
0: (laughs) and I want to go to England. Um,
2: so someday I will, but I almost got a chance to go there all expenses paid to shoot this commercial. Um, but it didn't
1: happen. Well, I mean, they, there's they they do do these these signings in the UK where they have a lot of guys coming over here to do this kind of thing, you know. And fuck Hook man, me up. Who wouldn't fuck want They
2: yeah. don't no, listen. Do so. Don't tease me.
1: <laughs> Hook it up, and I'll be there. All right, fucking
0: hey, well,
2: man. If, if that's a. the case,
0: then yeah, the first drinks are probably on us.
2: Yeah, Let's for sure. Come on, I'm there. Yay. Get Gwyn Ramsey to meet me at the uh, airport and we're good.
0: (laughs) Well, John, like I said, it's been absolutely thrilling, amazing, wonderful to have you on and can't thank you enough. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything, Chris.
1: Yeah, man, it's just something different to our usual, you know, hour or so of talking pure wrestling. It's been a great chat to kind of veer off and go on tangents because, I mean, myself and Jordan, we love a tangent. Um, you know, so it's it's just been incredible. And like I say... Yeah, we, I'm awesome. It's what great. can I tell you? No, yeah, fuck it. I just,
2: no, no, <laughs> no, it's no, great, man, yeah. honestly. John. No, listen, it was great for me too. I don't, you know, I don't have the traditional wrestling stories. I mean, I got some great backstage stories. Um, but nothing like where I could relate to the grind of, you know, all the indie shows and all this, you know, I, my, uh, I stepped out onto the red carpet basically. And that's kind of all I've known. I've never had to, you know, I've all, only worked with guys like, you know, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and, and, uh, you know, Ted DiBiase, the bushwhacker like that's so it's, but I still got some great stories for next time.
1: Oh, dude, we're definitely oh, gonna have um, a Don uh, John uh, De Giacomo part two. Part
0: two, love it for sure. For All sure. All right,
1: stay in touch. We will do, man.
0: Will. Uh, best of luck with everything that's going on, John. And we will. Thanks, guys.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much. All right.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you so much to John for coming on and giving us his time to talk about everything there as you will have heard from you know wrestling to you 40 of all things <laughs> do
1: you know what i mean unbelievable but that's what we love that is chat grapple and cheap pops you know oh. we are we ain't your we ain't your uh what do you what do they call it we ain't your average kind of podcast you know what i mean your wrestling podcast you try and be a little bit different so yeah. um we've just fucking had Jameson on, you know, incredible. John's a great guy, talented guy, Amazing. you know, loves to chat as much as we do. It's great. Good shit. Fucking good shit.
0: And, you know, before we, before we sign off and before we get the fuck out, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment. You know where we are. You know, if you, if you don't know, and you're new to this, we're Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram at chat grapple pops, you'll find it. You know, I'm sure Chris will put the logo somewhere it's, in the screen. It's been
1: on here the whole time, it's baby. Whole don't time. worry. The magic of technology means it's always been there. You um, know, shoot us you a know.
0: message, shoot us a yeah, whatever comment. If you love you know if you like it, great. If you don't still tell us you don't like it. Tell us what we did wrong. Tell us, you know, that we fucking suck. I don't care.
1: We, we don't really care. We're just going to, you know, keep doing what we're doing. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Deezer, are car spots, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Amazon podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube as chat, grapple and Cheap pops podcast. As Jordan said, we are on Twitter and Instagram as at chat, grapple pops. We are on Facebook. Our group is getting huge amounts of interactions. We love putting shit on there. Um, so, yeah, we, we fucking, you know, we just keep doing what we're doing. We've got some amazing guests lined up. Thank you again to John uh, DiGiacomo, a.k.a. Jameson. We're probably going to be chatting to him shortly uh, via message to ask him how much that mask was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, as soon as I saw him pull the mask out, I was like, holy fuck, man, I want that so bad. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, even then, like, his him pulling out memorabilia, brilliant my my 12 year old mind is going crazy like
1: it's nuts man Look at
0: that. Like, nuts.
1: But, but yeah i mean it was something different but still yet wrestling base. i mean jameson is one of those characters that was just he was around in 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 a really you know around some it, amazing time in theme. the time you know he's talking about people like kurt hennig the the um the Bushwhackers Hulk Hogan Matchman Randy Savage You know King Kong Bundy Ted DiBiase Shuri Our
0: guy Bobby Heenan
1: Our guy Bobby Heenan yeah. You know Just talking about everybody Um, You know So it's just incredible Good shit Loved it
0: So Yeah that, That'll be it Thank you so much For sticking with it Thank you so much For checking us out Shout out to all Our great podcasts And friends And everyone else That helps lift this up When we do get it out there You know For me jb i'll say take care everyone and from the best chris in all of wrestling podcasts yeah baby take care everyone see you soon
1: thank you